Hello, college football fans, and welcome to episode 31 of College Football Throwdown. I am your co-host, Alex Schmitz, and today I'm joined by my dad, Peter Schmitz. Good evening, college football fans. All right, good evening to you all. Uh, we are coming here to talk about the uh, the games of week 13 of college football and the new playoff rankings, as well as the upcoming conference championship games and you know, the end of the season. We're getting We're getting to that point. It seems like... You know, only yesterday that we did the, our, the first uh, our coverage of the first week, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Don't remind me. It's, <laughs> it's sickening that I can think that I'm going to need to wait a whole another nine months before I can get this horrible taste out of my mouth. <laughs> it's true. Well, I tried to make the most of it uh, with the extended weekend. I had some days off of work, so uh, I watched the games on Friday. Obviously, the Nebraska-Iowa game, we were both paying close attention to that one. Um and that was the the night of the TCU game as well. Correct. TCU and Baylor, uh, which, yeah. was, which surprised me. I did not think Baylor was going to lose to them. Neither did I. Yep. And then on Saturday, I found a, um, a Michigan sports bar with Michigan fans to watch the Ohio State game, because that's obviously one that growing up I was uh, very well, – I was attached to even though I wasn't a Michigan fan because just everybody in the state kind of watches that game. And uh, it was a lot of fun to see with some Michigan fans. Uh, they were I met some cool people there, uh, but it did get to be a little depressing in the second half because everyone's spirits kind of fell, and it kind of got into um, what we've talked about in the past. How with certain rivalries, they're so bitter that it's almost like that game matters more than anything else. Like I brought up to one of them what I've said in the past about Lloyd Carr. You know, he was a coach under Michigan who was winning them like nine, eight win you know, uh, kind of seasons, you know, and then the people who they had to replace him did worse in terms of record. Uh, but fans got just got frustrated with him because he had a bad losing streak against Ohio State, and they couldn't stand that anymore. Right, that's right. So, yeah, like you say, certain games are, are must-wins if you're going to be a coach. Yeah. It used to be that way with uh, Oklahoma and Nebraska, you know, that was the thing with, you know, the pressure on Osborne was almost – directly related to whether or not he beat Oklahoma the previous year or not. Right. Yeah, I'm always a little sad that I missed out on that era of Nebraska football because to me, <laughs> Oklahoma was one of the consistently one of the best teams in the Big 12 while we were still in the Big 12, but there wasn't that same uh, right. feeling. No, that's true. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then I saw that game. I was watching, like, the Clemson game was on at that time, too. And then I uh, came back and watched the end of the Alabama-Auburn game a little bit and then watched through the entirety of the Stanford-Notre Dame game, uh, which was turned out to be a good decision because that was a great game. It was a great game. Mm-hmm. All right, so getting into the first topic of discussion, uh, we have our... Uh, our uh, ranking, not our rankings, but our score predictions from last well, week. I, I've got to go ahead before we go any further and, and, and open my beverage here, buddy, because ah. uh, I've been waiting to do this for this for a while here, so I'm ready. Okay, okay. ready? Yeah. There, there we go. go. We can you can drown your sorrows that the uh, that the season is ending with, right. with that. Exactly. Okay. Talk to us, man. All right. So we already talked about this on our uh, specifically Nebraska Iowa podcast, but. We had uh, two differing scores. I said uh, we were both thinking positively, thinking Nebraska could pull off the upset. I said uh, 35-30. You said 42-28. And we both turned out to be wrong, unfortunately, in that case. 
That's true. <laughs> yep. Sorry, you caught me when I was drinking. Everybody. Okay. <laughs> and then um, this was an interesting one, uh, Navy in Houston. Um, uh, yes. Because we, we were both talking about how that was kind of like a game that didn't pop off the screen as being a great game, but was one we thought was going to be. Uh, you predicted a 32-28 victory for Navy. I predicted 38-21. Uh, but then Houston ended up upsetting them 52-31 and kind of right. Crazy. It wasn't even close. Uh, I mean, they just uh, um, I'm very. I was very disappointed because I had seen Navy play a few times this year, and I really felt uh, pretty good about you know their talent. And after Houston had lost the previous week to UConn, I thought, well, you know, that's a strong indication that 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 Houston was maybe not as good as I thought. But then Houston pretty much dominated uh, Navy. So there you go. That's why you don't understand this game of football. That's true. I did just see something pop up on my Facebook the other day. Navy has these specific helmets they've made for the Navy-Army game. I don't know if you saw those. No, uh uh-uh. What's Uh, up with those? They're like this deep blue color, and they have like a wooden um, ship like painted on them. They look look cool. Hmm. Yeah, I'll have to look... uh... I'll search the internet for that, the interwebs. Oh, using Google. What a search. Yes. What a shock. <laughs> yes. All right. And then, obviously, the game, as we were talking about, Ohio State, Michigan. Um, you predicted a 28-24 victory for Ohio State. I predicted 24-28. We are kind of speculating last week about whether Ohio State was going to bounce back after that uh, disappointing loss to Michigan State. You know, if their team, the comments Ezekiel Element made, you know, if that was going to rattle them a little bit, but it certainly did not. Right. Well, you know, that's the thing. You you anticipated that there was going to be a reaction. It was going to be one of two things, you know, either the reaction they got, which obviously what they wanted, which was to refocus and and come out fire and brimstone, which they did, or, uh, you know, have a hangover. Uh, because, you know, well, we had a chance to be, you know, this um, best-of-all-time kind of football team, and we've blown it, and kind of mail it in. Well, they definitely took the first approach and uh, had great success. Mm-hmm. It's true. And then um, then there was the Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game, big game in the Big 12 to decide Oklahoma's future. I predicted a uh, 42-24 victory for Oklahoma over Oklahoma State. You predicted a 42-32 victory. And the final score ended up being 58-23. So we were both conservative, as it turns right. out. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, and, and I think we I remember in that conversation, uh, you know, my thoughts were uh, that it was so critical that they're, that the co- that the uh, quarterback play That's for true. Oklahoma. And if he played, then, then they were going to win comfortably. And if he didn't, uh, then I was very concerned. Yeah. And, of course, he played, and, and he played very well. I'm still shocked that he was allowed to play, given, you know, some of the uh, questions about whether or not he, you know, in fact had a concussion, you know. Right. Usually that means you're going to sit out at least a game, but mm-hmm. they didn't. Well, I, I saw a news thing that said, like, that he, he passed the concussion tests okay. you know, or something like that. Um, and I should mention, yeah, on the previous podcast, we actually gave scores for if he didn't play. We both predicted, a, I believe we both predicted a loss for them in that scenario. So yeah, shows how instrumental he really was to their team. I think so. All right. So now we get on to just sort of the general talk about um, that week. I guess we'll start with one that I mentioned earlier, the Stanford-Notre Dame game, which turned out to be a great you know, back-and-forth scoring kind of game. The, Absolutely. 
each team taking the lead away from the other, ending with a field goal to win. Yep, by Stanford. I know. Um, well, and, and I think you were the one who, who brought up the point in our previous discussion about, you know, with Notre Dame, it's a perfect example of why, you know, yeah, maybe you settle for a field goal once, but if you start going down in the field regularly and, and continually settle, settling for field goals, at some point as a coaching staff, I think you have to convey the message to your team, we got to score touchdowns here and go for it, you know. Uh, and uh, uh, Notre Dame seemed to settle for field goals enough that, uh, you know, it came back to haunt them. Yeah, well, Stanford's, Stanford's defense was great in the red zone, not so great on the other sides of the field, but I was predicting a Notre Dame victory and watching that game all the way through. I can tell you that Notre Dame appeared to me to be the better team overall. They had more explosive plays. You know, they were uh, they were able to move the ball against Stanford pretty regularly on offense, um, but their defense gave up enough points to Stanford's uh, strong offense and they settled for field goals where Stanford got touchdowns when they got that far. And I right. knew that was going to be a key point in the game because if there were three of them, I'm pretty sure. So if Notre Dame had turned even one of those into touchdowns, we'd be looking at a different game. Right, exactly. And, and, and that's the thing. It kind of gets into your head at some point if you're, if you're Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. All right. And then uh, some other games. Uh, TCU Baylor, we already briefly mentioned, but that was a big upset on Friday to kind of set up Horrible that, weather. Yeah, it was. But to, that set up that Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game as basically being the, you know, uh, the title game for the Big 12. Right, right, exactly. And then uh, this, there, was, there were a couple interesting ones, like games that were closer than you thought they would be, you know, given that it's rivalry week and all that. Uh, Oregon, Oregon State ended up being a 52 to 42 uh, final score. I think Oregon took the lead early, but Oregon State kind of crawled their way back. That that's correct. That's how that did play out. And you're right. That game often is closer than expected. You know, uh, and again, it's a it's it's about the circumstances of the game. You know, the level of intensity of the players. Even if they're the lesser team, they find a way to rise to the occasion. Mm-hmm. And this is another, actually, an interesting little thing in the MAC that I saw play out. My my alma mater, Ohio University, played against Northern Illinois and upset them, um, right. and it looked like they weren't going to their MAC championship game. But then uh, Western Michigan upset Toledo, thirty five thirty, and all, all of a sudden they're back in it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it's crazy. Funny how that works. Uh, I mentioned the Alabama Auburn game earlier. I was. I wasn't watching the game early, but I was looking at the scores and I was amazed that it was like six to six, you know, and like 13 to six. And it was this field goal, low scoring game, whereas I thought Alabama had the potential to blow them out, you know? Right. I mean, if you just looked at records and looked at at some comparative scores, you would have expected a blowout. Yeah. Um, But again, the rivalry. Yep. I kind of had a feeling last week that Auburn might have a chance. And I actually came down to that bar early to watch the end of that game because I was hoping that they could pull it out. And then Alabama scored a late, a late touchdown that made the score look worse than it was, but it really was a close game up until like the second half of the fourth quarter. I agree. I agree. And similarly, uh, uh, on, but in the reverse fashion was the Clemson uh, sco- uh, score where, um, um, who was it? The Clemson was playing darn it. South Carolina. South Carolina scored late in that game to make it look closer than it would have, uh, you know, so in both cases, Alabama and Clemson late scores 
change the perception of the final score and, and its appearance. But really, both of those, uh, uh, you know, Clemson uh, won that game more comfortably than it appears, and Alabama didn't win their game as comfortably as it appears. True. Although I will, I will, that Clemson game was going on while the OSU game was going on. I did see, like, Clemson got out to an early lead once again. But South Carolina yep. came back and it was like 21-20, I think, at one point. Right, that's something, true. Something like that. Um, and then we also had uh, North Carolina and NC State. They ended up winning 45-34, but not a dominating victory. Right, right. So so it sets up, uh, you know, basically for the college football rankings, it sets up for what you can begin to project are going to be bowl matchups and things of that nature. Um, yeah. Are you ready to jump into that? Well, there's just a, a couple of ones that I wanted, other ones I want to mention. Oh, um, Okay. Uh, well, I guess w- another one upset I missed, actually, uh, Washington beat Washington State uh, 45-10, and Washington State was ranked 20th, uh, so they were actually considered to be the better team. Wow, I, 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 you know, I'm so distant from those two, uh, I didn't know that Washington State was ranked. <laughs> Same on yeah. me, and, yeah. uh, and uh, uh, that, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, <laughs> but then there, and then there were some interesting, like, dominating victories by some of the top teams. Um, Michigan State uh, beat Penn State comfortably, fifty-five sixteen. Oh yeah. So. Yep, and, and yeah, and and Connor Cook, after you know not playing against Oklahoma, or, I mean Ohio State, um, did play in this game and, and looked very sharp while he was in there. Yep, yep. So kind of, it's it's crazy to think, yeah, that you know that Ohio State team that looks so offensively dominant against Michigan could only score fourteen points against Michigan State. Well, yeah, there, there's so much that plays into those kinds of things. You know what I mean? It's just a week-to-week matchup yeah. deal. It's a level of intensity and attitude, and, and yeah. uh, you know, yeah. that's how good the coaches do. It's true. Uh, UCLA, USC, that's one that was obviously oh, near and dear to the hearts of a lot of people where I am. And uh, it was, once again, I think it was like 21-20 around halftime-ish, so it was kind of a good back and forth. But then USC kind of pulled away in the, uh, in the second half. Right, right, and and that's interesting because they've since named the the USC interim coach who was an assistant under Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, they they went ahead and uh, uh, made him the the head coach. They went ahead and took the interim tag off, and they're going to keep him. So a, a little bit of a surprise, in my opinion, that they would choose to uh, go that route, but they're going to stay with their guy internally. Yeah, I I guess that's a good transition because there was some coaching uh, switches that happened recently that I wanted to talk about, and that was one of them. Um, I remember hearing some discussion on the radio about like how he had uh, like he came into there when he came in after the other guy was fired. They already had like two losses, and he took that kind of messy situation and did a pretty good job with it. You know, only losing to Oregon in that stretch. Yep. Uh, yeah. Exactly. And he. Uh... I mean, he's done a very good job, but I, I'm not, I'm not questioning that. It's just, it's not typical for a mainstream, you know, blue blood job like USC that that they wouldn't have gone ahead and gone through the process of, of doing a national search net, and that he would have been a token kind of interview candidate and stuff, but but that they would have, uh, you know, pursued some other ones. But basically, their athletic director. Uh, uh, said you know they had been doing some uh, conversations and phone calls and discussions with certain people and they fairly quickly came to the conclusion that the guy they had was the right guy 
So they just decided to go that route and, you know, bypass all the formal, uh, you know, dance, if you will. Yeah. And then uh, this was one uh, close to Nebraskans heart, a uh, coach that we were almost considering uh, for our head coaching position last year. Scott Frost, the offensive coordinator of Oregon, is now the head coach of UCF. So he's he's making his way as a head coach now. Yes, that is a that is an interesting uh, development. I, I'm I'm both uh, excited for him because uh, he's from right near my hometown, uh, but I'm also uh, uh, I'm I'm intrigued by his choice to, to to take that one. I would have thought that there might be some other opportunities that would come his way. Mm. You think as early as this year, or more of a let's stick with Oregon a little longer, and then something bigger will come well, around. You know, given all the openings, I think maybe some even this year, but but quite possibly he might even if it didn't happen, if if he rolled the dice and said, I'm going to wait and see if I can get a, a better job. I think the progression that we saw uh, from Oregon's offense from early in the year to late in the year where they appeared to get better, quite a bit better as the season progressed. You know, that's the first time that 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 Scott really was put in a position to. Gosh, I don't know what to say. Uh, um, you know, where it was kind of on him to develop the quarterback, right? Uh, he inherited a great quarterback, uh, as Heisman Trophy quarterback, uh, uh, previously. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. So, so this was his first big test, and and I thought he demonstrated that he's got some chops because he was able to take a guy and kind of integrate him in. You know, it didn't didn't go smooth at first, but as the season progressed, it got a lot better. So he, he had positioned himself to get some looks. There's no question. Um, and I, I just am a little surprised that he went with UCF, although that's, it's a bit of a sleeping giant down there in terms of you know, access to Florida talent, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. And then the other big coaching piece of news from this weekend, obviously, was the whole Les Miles thing, which we talked about last week. And honestly, is something I'm kind a little bit like disgusted about, both in terms of... Uh, we talked last week how we both agreed that, you know, it was a little silly that all these LCU people were demanding it. Uh, but also the fact that, you know, ESPN was making it out to be this big deal. Like they had inside sources that said that, you know, uh, Les Miles was going to be fired after this right. uh, game, no matter kind of what the outcome was, you know. And then they asked the AD after the game. He's like, Les Miles is here to stay. Right. Well, and 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 that's the thing is that, you know, they they – they go on these speculative reports because one of their, you know, supposed insiders has it from a good source that this information is factual, that there is discussions and say there was discussions. The fact is, is that until it becomes reality, don't report on it. You know, if you got some inside insight, uh, uh, that's great. Then you make sure you're standing outside the locker room door to be the first one to take the news, okay, and to be able to jump on it because you knew to be in the right place at the right time. So you're geared and ready and prepared to cover it. By by trying to get out in front of the story, then you become the story rather than the story. And that's so typical of what ESPN has evolved into as a, as a, as a broadcasting and sports journalism uh, source. They are into being the ones that speculate on stuff rather than, the ones who, you know, uh, just report on what's going on. They tried to make a story where there wasn't a story. And and now you've put the athletic director in a very tight spot. You know, it goes back to even experiences we've had. 
athletic directors, it is just not in their best interest to start talking about their head coach and his viability as the ongoing coach in the middle of their season. It does no good because they're not going to make that decision until the end of the year. They don't want to talk about it until then. It just, it's just, you know, it's good business for them not to do that. And yet people just try to force them. Well, of course, they've got to say something. They've got to give them a sign of support. Well, guess what? I give them a sign of support, and then I still fire them at the end of the year because I, I didn't want to show my hand. I mean, it's crazy. There's lots of money at stake. Oh, yeah. Big bucks. Also, can you just make sure that your uh, your headphone corn isn't, like, rubbing up against your hand or something? Oh, because I, was I moving because my hand was moving and getting scratching? Yeah, just a little yeah. bit. Sorry. No problem. Okay, so now we're going to talk about the uh, new playoff rankings. Um, yeah. The top four remains exactly the same as it was uh, last week, so not a whole lot to talk about there. Uh, although I guess you could speculate that Michigan State might have jumped Iowa because they had a dominating win, whereas Iowa struggled against the you know not so great Nebraska team. Yeah, I, 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 overall I think this was a very conservative uh, choice that they made. I, I, I regretfully was uh, was unable to listen to the broadcast when they were uh, demonstrated live, so I, I don't I didn't know the explanation of why Oklahoma didn't move up. Uh, because they are the, they already have this per uh, this defi- definition of being a conference champion. So the, you know, even though it might have only been uh, temporary, um, I, I thought maybe they might do that just to make a point, but they they chose not to, which I'm pleased with. Yeah, I, I talked about that last week too. How I didn't want them to do that. Um, now, interesting, probably the most interesting part about this is what we talked about before: the fact that Notre Dame. Uh, lost to Stanford, but is only dropped down to eight. So Stanford seven, Notre Dame's eight. And Ohio State, a one-loss team that is not even playing in its conference championship game, is number six over uh, both of them. Right. So you've got three Big Ten teams at four, five, and six. So almost no matter what happens this weekend, including the North Carolina uh, team, which is sitting there at ten, if North Carolina was to beat Clemson, Boy, it'd be hard to justify moving North Carolina from ten all the way up to four, passing, you know, um, three Iowa teams. And uh, uh, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, you mean just, three uh, Big Ten teams? Uh, three Big Ten teams. Excuse me. Yeah, including Iowa. And so it's like, man, uh, it pretty much slams the door on that. Right. So you know, I'm, I'm short of, uh, and and what do you do with Florida? were to beat Alabama, right. Florida right. sitting there at, at 18. I mean, that, that would just mean that you'd have, uh, you'd almost have to have two Big Ten teams. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, why don't we, let's kind of, now that we're into this part of the topic, why don't we just kind of break down, you know, what could conceivably happen this weekend and how that could shake up what the top four would be. Because the at this point, Oklahoma's in. They're not playing any more games. Correct. You know, they're the Big 12 champions, so they're in. And then whoever wins the Iowa-Michigan State game is in. So one of those two teams is in for sure as well. Right. So the yeah, only right. real areas of discussion in terms of the chaos that can ensue is the Clemson-North Carolina game and the Alabama-Florida game. Right. And uh, in the case of, we didn't mention it, but Florida had, it, honestly, a very tough game against uh, Florida State, only getting two points to uh, their 27. Right. So 
I feel like, and what, they have three losses now, I believe? Uh, two, uh, two, four, losses. No, two losses. Two losses. Uh, but even if they were to beat Alabama, I'm not sure, especially if Stanford were to win their, I mean, if, if Stanford wins their championship game against the USC, personally, I believe they jump Ohio State in that scenario and become the next team to get in if either Alabama or Clemson were to, you know, fall. Right. I, I'm in agreement with you. Right. Uh, but if if USC were to win that game, and there's no way USC is getting in because they already have four losses, I believe. Uh, Correct. So, so USC is out. So in that scenario, then if uh, then then North Carolina, I think, does probably – Maybe in that scenario they do get in if they beat uh, Clemson. You think? You think? Um, rather than rather than Ohio State getting in. Well, I mean, it, so this gets into a whole discussion about how much do the because they talked about in the committee how it's yeah. in in the rules that you know uh, a the only way a non conference uh, non like championship team or an independent team can get in is if they are unequivocally one of the top four teams in the country. Right. Uh, So, and so it becomes a question of how much do they value that, you know, national, uh, that championship game? Because North Carolina hasn't uh, played a very tough schedule. They've beaten like two FCS teams and lost to South Carolina in their first game of the season. But since then have gone on to uh, beat everybody that they've played. Uh, and under this scenario, they would have upset the number one team in the country, which is the best win that you could possibly put onto your resume. Right. No, and I, I get that. I get all that. But, it, I, I, you know, I struggle to to understand if that's the case and, and they think their body of work is deserving of that, how they could be sitting at 10. Because it, it would seem hard for me to comprehend how they could move from 10th all the way up to fourth because they beat Clemson. That would be a, a massive uh, rise, even though you beat the number one team in the country. That would be a massive rise, in my opinion. Right. Well, and as I said, this is only if Stanford were to lose to USC. Um, I think, sure. it, it, I guess it's a debate of, so if, if both Clemson and Alabama were to lose in some f- freaky, crazy scenario, you know, and and Stanford were to lose, so all three of the teams that are expected to win lose, and so then we have North Carolina, Florida, and USC as the conference champions um, looking to get in. I feel like under that scenario, maybe that's how Ohio State could sneak in there, and then maybe North Carolina gets in as well. Right. Wow. Okay. I get it. It makes sense. I, I just think that would the way it sets up this time. I think it would be it would be hard to to do, but I, I get your point about North Carolina now that you've explained it to me. Uh, you know, uh, I could see where the argument could be made. Yeah, um, and because I, I feel like I mean we already said it's USC, no way they're getting in, and Florida even if they were to upset Alabama, which would obviously be a huge win for them. Uh, like I mean they're even farther down; they're all the way down to eighteen. I find right. it hard to believe that even a win as quality as that could jump them up that high. No, it couldn't. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. Right. Uh, I would I, see my argument is even North Carolina, if, if they feel that strongly about that, that team's uh, body of work, 
then then they should be North Carolina should be ahead of Florida State and uh, and frankly ahead of Notre Dame at this point who both have two losses and uh, maybe you have a two loss Stanford you know still ahead of North Carolina okay. but they should be right there. So here's a scenario for you. Let's say um, Clemson and Alabama and Stanford all lose, like I said, and so uh, Ohio State gets in there, and uh, and Michigan State beats Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. So right. then we're looking at Oklahoma, Michigan State, uh, Ohio, Ohio State, and then and then the mysterious North Carolina fourth spot, right? So do you think North Carolina gets in there? Do you think a one-loss Iowa team could sneak in there or a two-loss Stanford or Florida State? No. I think, I think that in that scenario it would be North Carolina because, uh, like you said, all, all of those other losses happen. Stanford would drop out of there. So now North Carolina is only jumping over Notre Dame and Florida State. And if North Carolina uh, beats Clemson, you know, Clemson has beaten Florida State – uh, and so you could you could go through that logic and and, and recognize it pretty easily. Okay. I mean, I, I could get that. So I, I think that, that the only way it would be is is North Carolina in that in that crazy scenario. Right. So I think we both agree in terms of the teams that are on the outside looking in right now. It, it, it would go a Stanford team that's a champion is at the top of the pecking order. Then it's Ohio State. Then it's a North Carolina that upsets Clemson. Right. So now here's the here's the deal. So uh, the most likely scenario is the one that w- that's presented right in front of us. You know that that the Iowa Michigan State winner goes, and then Oklahoma Alabama and Clemson are the other three. So there's your four in the two uh, semifinal games. And but that what that would mean then after if it's all said and done is you know who who makes up the rest of that uh, you know top ten top 12, whatever, that are going to fill out the rest of those New Year's Day six bowls, right? Because there's 12 teams that got to fill that in. Mm-hmm. And and that's kind of what all that other group beyond the four is, is all about. Yeah. Well, it is interesting because I, personally I feel like if Iowa were to lose to Michigan State, then I think Ohio State would be ranked above them in the Big Ten and they would go to the Rose Bowl uh, because I, I, Iowa doesn't I have a lot of quality wins. I would agree. I think that that's what would happen, that Ohio State would end up going to the Rose Bowl representing the, the Big Ten out there. Uh, obviously, if Stanford wins the conference, Stanford will, uh, will go to the Rose Bowl as well as the, you know, as the other uh, representative. Notre Dame will end up, their, their season's over, so they'll end up in one of those in one of those bowls. Florida State's season is over, so they'll end up in one of those. So some of these teams that are already done now, North Carolina will have another loss, and they'll drop from tenth to whatever. So they maybe drop out of that group of six. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so they go from playing in the conference championship game against the number one team in the nation. They lose to the number one team, and their punishment is they drop completely out. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's just the way it goes. Yeah. Well, I think it's also kind of funny in the, some of the speculation and talk I've been seeing. Um, Ohio State last year, you know, their biggest selling point was that they played in their conference championship game. They were the conference champion, and they destroyed Wisconsin. And that was basically the reason why they jumped uh, up to that number four spot. But now this year, they're not in it, but they're, now they're, they're doing the opposite. They're claiming, well, we're not playing our conference championship, but we're still one of the best teams in the country. We're still deserving, yeah. 
Yep. Which, you know, what, going back to that kind of eye test thing, like if if I'm comparing Ohio State and North Carolina just in terms of who do I think would win in a – who is the better team? Neutral I would, State, yeah. Yeah, I would say Ohio State in that scenario. Oh, absolutely. I would agree with you 100%. Right. So, you know, I mean, get, that gets into the whole thing of like, you know, is Ohio State better than Iowa? I would definitely say so, but Iowa's ranked two spots above them, you know? Right, because they're 12-0, and 0 and you got to respect that. Until somebody beats them and, and they're exposed. And, and again, someone could look in the, inside the numbers, for example, of even our game against Iowa this past Friday and, and begin to question Iowa's, you know, uh, 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 what, what is pr- prowess, right? Right. Uh, they're just they're a team that doesn't make very many mistakes and waits for the other team to make mistakes and – play into their hands and they'll use that same strategy again this week against Michigan State and uh, you know you expect Michigan State to uh, hold on to the ball and not throw interceptions and do the stupid things and if they don't then Michigan State likely wins but if they do Iowa's going to be right there to take advantage of it. Well that's a nice transition why don't we talk about the upcoming games of week 14 the conference championship games and we'll dive right into that Michigan State Iowa one which I think is the most interesting matchup given it's number four and number five playing each other that's going to be a pretty widely watched game I'm sure. Oh I agree and it's a yep it's an evening game on uh, Saturday night so it should be a lot of eyes on that for sure. So what what's your prediction then based on what you were just saying what do you think uh, the score oh, is going to end up being, uh, you know, uh, well, I think I think in my mind, uh, Michigan State is a is a is a pretty substantial uh, a favorite in in my mind. I, I I most of the things that I thought I believed about Iowa going into the Nebraska matchup with Iowa, I still believe. I think they pretty much were the team I thought they were going to be. And uh, the, the only sad part for me is bad Tommy showed up. <laughs> and uh, made sure that we didn't have a chance to win it. And so um, that's a problem for, for Nebraska and Nebraska, um, you know, supporters. But, but the reality is that um, um, Michigan State, in my opinion, is a dramatically superior team. Now, the, there, are some, there are some caveats. You know, Connor Cook, although he played great this past week against Penn State, you know, was running around that field shaking his arm after practically every two or three plays. And so you wonder if there's going to come a point, you know, he's going to throw one ball and all of a sudden the strength in his arm is going to go out or something. And all of a sudden he's unavailable. And if that happens, you know, yes, the backups played well when they played Ohio, uh, Ohio state, but you just never know in those kinds of situations. So, um, uh, there is that question about how, how, how healthy is Connor. But other than that, I think Michigan state is way better and will beat, beat Iowa substantially. So what's your score? Wow. Great question. I'm going to suggest to you that uh, because uh, both teams will probably play a little close to the vest early, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be close early, but that uh, Michigan State's going to pull ahead and end up winning by 24 points. So let me see what I'd have to get to. Uh, 40, what would that be? Like 48 uh, no, that's probably too many points scored. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, this is a big go 45. Fun. Yeah, let's go 45-21. All right. Uh, I actually already wrote mine down. I'm going to say 35-21. Um, okay. I feel like, like you said, Connor Cook might uh, slow them down, slow them down a little bit on offense, and uh, 
And, you know, I was uh, defense, you know, was uh, a, like they, they got a good uh, front front seven. You know, I think they showed that against us. Um, you know, I mean, we, we were able to move the ball against them. When we were hurt more by our interceptions than anything. But I do think their defense has the potential to slow them down. But I also think MSU's defense is much better and will definitely slow their offense down as well. Right, right. And I think that uh, I think over time, though, if Michigan State plays the way they have the last couple of weeks, uh, they will wear out Iowa's defense, and eventually the chunks of yardage will begin to happen. All right. Then let's go to USC Stanford. Um, having watched that Stanford Notre Dame game, I am uh, I haven't followed Stanford much throughout the season, but I was definitely impressed by them there. And I was watching the USC Oregon game uh, the previous week, and USC didn't look so good in that game. Uh, so I do believe Stanford is going to win that game. Um, I'm going to go ahead and predict that it will be a uh, let's say 38 to. Uh, 21 victory. Wow, I, I would. I, I'm in agreement with you on who wins. 38-21. Um, um, you know, I, I'm going to say it's a little lower scoring. I'm going to say like 31, uh, 31-17. All right, very good. And then we have uh, Florida and Alabama. Um, honestly, I believe of all the uh, of all the matchups, this one might be the most lopsided. Um, I, I I could could be wrong, but uh, seems like Florida, the way they were playing that Florida State game, just did not uh, show themselves to be a top tier, you know, kind of football team. So I'm I'm personally going to predict that Alabama beats them pretty bad. I uh, I'm going to say I I agree with you, but but uh, the one thing I would say is that typically um, Florida's defense has been pretty solid, but. Uh, um, it just seems like here late in the season, uh, like there's some frustration frustration that's starting to show because the, the defense is, is getting frustrated that the offense is not, you know, uh, coming to the table with anything, you know. And at some point the defense just kind of gets exhausted from the whole deal. And so I, I would agree with you that I um, – but, but I do think that early on in the game, again, Florida's defense is going to rise to the occasion and kind of hold, hold in there because they've got a good defense. Uh, and and it would just be a matter of could Florida's offense somehow get lucky and have a few things go their way early, and if they could do that, then uh, then Florida could make it interesting at least for a, you know a half. But uh, short of that kind of guy, we got lucky with a putt return or a big pass play or something like that. I agree with you. I think I think Alabama's methodical and they just go about their business and they end up crushed them like uh, 45 to uh, 17. Mm. Okay, I'm going to go with something close to that. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, 42 to 14, let's say. Okay. Okay. And then, um, uh, what's the last one? Then North Carolina Clemson. Yeah. Obviously. Um, I also think Clemson, uh, Clemson wins this game. I think they're the number one team in the country for a reason. But I do think North Carolina is legit, and I think it could be a close game. So I'm going to go ahead and say, and the fact that Clemson showed in that, you know, South Carolina game that they're certainly not invincible. You know, they have had some close victories throughout the year, uh, like the Notre Dame game. So I'm going to go ahead and say Clemson wins it, uh, let's say, 31 to uh, 24. You know what? Uh, I would say I agree with you uh, about all of that stuff. 
I'm not sure uh, North Carolina is going to score 24, but I'll say Clemson. I'll, I'll say Clemson um, is going to be. Uh, let's do 35 for Clemson, and uh, let's do. Um, boy, I, I keep landing on 17 for some reason, but I'm going to say 35-17. Clemson beats. North Carolina. Yeah, you do have a lot of 17s this week. I do, yeah. <laughs> and uh, when I looked it up on ESPN, I actually saw there are some other games going on. Um, Temple and Houston, number 22 and number 19. That's kind of, That might be a good game. And uh, Texas-Baylor, uh, inter-Texas battle. So Yeah, that will be interesting. Well, and I mean, it's a, uh, that Texas is one of those five-win teams right now, if I remember correctly. Or maybe they're a four-win team that's trying to get the five wins. <laughs> I don't remember exactly their their record, but but uh, this would be a big big game for for Texas to win if they would could find a way to do so. Mm-hmm. That would be interesting, a big upset. Yes. After after Baylor just lost to TCU. I know. So the question would be: Do they spiral or do they rise to the occasion when the game effectively doesn't matter except for bowl position for them? Right. Yeah, but they could. I mean, they're still in the top fifteen. They can still go to a good bowl. Oh, absolutely. That's what I mean. Bowl position. Yeah, uh, they're not getting into the playoff under any circumstance at this point. But, but, and so the question is, are they focused? Yeah, you know? um, you're correct. Uh, Texas is currently four and seven, so they're playing to get to five. Yeah, and and so they could potentially go to a bowl game if they get to five and seven. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their APR is, but yeah, it's possible. Alrighty then. Well, that that wraps this up. I think for this uh, this episode, I'm going to be looking forward to these conferences. Well, but no, I, I have a question for you. Oh, okay. So, so you know, I thought that last year, you know, when, at the end of the day, uh, the, the the committee did a great great job of going through this and kind of sorting through the mesh and, and getting the right four teams. And let's. Uh, you know, we've got one more week before they have to make their final decision, and we'll certainly talk about it then. But, but uh, in general, uh, as you see the process play out over the course of this season, do you feel like they? Uh, how do you feel like they did? Well, the I'm happy with them on everything except for well, one I thought the rise of Oklahoma so fast last week was kind of weird, but I think they're fine now that they've uh, that they beat Oklahoma State. Um, but Iowa, you know, having, you know, uh, looked at their record, their, their record and seeing them, uh, play against Nebraska and all that, um, I, I do feel like they are definitely the most overrated team in college football right now. You know, I don't think they're the fourth best team in the nation. I understand why the committee is doing that because they are, you know, a unbeaten team within one of the power five conferences and they have beaten, uh, Northwestern and Wisconsin. Uh, Northwestern, who's I think currently ranked like 14th, so they're still a very legitimate football team. You know, so they do have some quality wins on their uh, plate. But right. I just I find it hard to believe. I'd be very shocked if they were to beat Michigan State next week and they were in the in the uh, game. You know, although I mean, if I were to, were to beat Michigan State, I think Michigan State is a very good football team. If I were to find a way to do that, then I'd have to acknowledge them uh, for finding it in them to do that but uh but that that is the one thing that would be very strange if iowa were to be in that top four at the end of this right well and i agree and i and i think that uh, that, but but i believe that they're they're going about 
the task they've been given very well. Uh, I would again give them a, a, a very substantial, um, uh, you know, a, a, a type of grade on how they've gone about this process. And I agree with you that maybe there's some debate about them possibly using a little bit more of the eye test in their decision making this year than they did the previous year and and uh, maybe doing you know they they they've indicated that they do not want to ever uh, what do you want to say um they do not want to be caught or be accused of of looking ahead right of projecting the future but to some extent i think they have to do that right there there there's a certain amount of that 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 you have to do and 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 thankfully they can look ahead to uh, uh, games that still need to be played as the season progresses that are going to take care of those things. You know, they'll take care of themselves, right? Right. Uh, I actually did just, have we forgot one thing. Um, oh. <laughs> I'm just remembering now. Last week we updated our top six as we do. You know, mm-hmm. and, uh, both of us, uh, I believe we had, yeah, we did have a very similar uh, looks because you, you ranking based off of what last week's was, you said Clemson, Alabama, uh, Iowa, Notre Dame, Michigan State, and Oklahoma. Um, right. And then I said Clemson, Alabama, Michigan State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Baylor, thinking in terms of like the end of the year, like after the conference championship games. Uh, but now both of us have to make some changes, though, because for me, Notre Dame and Baylor lost, and for you, you right. know, Notre Dame lost, obviously. Um, right. So in terms of who I think is going to be, you know, the top six teams in the country as of, you know, the end of this weekend, I think it's going to be, you know, a little, uh, well, boring for the most part, I guess. Yeah, at Michigan State beating Iowa is technically an upset, even though I think they're the favored team in my mind. But I'm going to say uh, Clemson remains number one, Alabama's number two, um, Oklahoma's number three, MSU's number four. I'm going to say, uh, I believe Stanford beats USC, so they're number five. And then uh, Ohio State then is number six. That's what I think it's going to be. Interesting. Okay, I'm, I've got a, I'm going to have a little bit of a different take. I believe, I believe that uh, uh, Michigan State's going to beat Iowa. Because Michigan State beats number four Iowa, their collective resume is better. And so they will move ahead of 11 and one Oklahoma mm. and, and Oklahoma will fall to fourth. Uh, Michigan state will be, will be uh, third um, and Alabama and Clemson will remain one and two. Uh, I, you know, again, because both Alabama and Clemson are going to be playing conference championship games and presumably win those games. So they'll both have victories against fairly good teams, but but I could see Michigan State even moving into the number two spot ahead of Alabama as well. Because when you look at it, again, body of work, Michigan State is going to gain a victory against the number four team undefeated Iowa Hawkeyes, right? Uh, as opposed to beating, uh, you know, what, a number 18 Florida. Right. Right? So to me, that win should propel Michigan State a little bit. And the question is how much. And, and again, do, does the does the committee end up devaluing Iowa with kind of an "I told you so" attitude about Iowa? Because they're still probably looking at Iowa as an incomplete uh, in terms of the data. Uh, Iowa really hasn't had to be challenged by a preeminent team. This is their first challenge. 
by that type of level of team. And so if Michigan State were to beat them and beat them badly, for example, by three touchdowns or something or more, then I think Iowa tumbles. You know what I mean? And so then maybe Michigan State's jump isn't very substantial. And it just jumps into the fourth spot and we're done. But I could easily see... Um, I could easily see Michigan State jump in Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I hadn't thought about the ranking of the teams, you know, in terms of Michigan State jumping. But I'll agree with you. I think if it's a close victory for Michigan State, they just they stay at number four. I think if they dominate Iowa, they jump over Oklahoma to the number three spot. Um, I right. find it hard to believe in any scenario. I mean. And I guess the only way I could see them jumping to number two over Alabama is if, like, Alabama were to win in a close overtime battle and look kind of right. play kind of ugly in the Florida game. Uh, Alabama would right. have to do bad, I think. Uh, no amount yeah. of M- MSU being great would well, jump well, them. But, but ultimately, here's the, here's the significant impact of that, though. The significant impact of that is uh, I, if I'm a Michigan State fan, I don't want to jump Oklahoma. Right. I want to be four. I don't want to be three because I want at number four to play Clemson in the uh, in the uh, semifinal game. I want to play in the Orange Bowl against Clemson. I do not want to play Alabama in the uh, Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, I, I want the matchup with Clemson because if I'm if I'm looking at matchups, I I believe Michigan State matches up with a Clemson team better than they might match up against an Alabama team. Um, I, it's just my 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 gut, um, and then let Alabama and Oklahoma duke it out over there in the other bowl. You know, then one of those teams knocks the other one out, and only one of those you know uh, physically uh, you know dominant teams survives that game. And maybe they beat each other up enough that then when you play in the championship, you're playing a little bit of a battered opponent. And uh, uh, again, I'm just thinking strategy here. Uh, for Michigan State. Yeah, you might be right about that. Uh, I had to thought about that. Um, I mean, it's I'd have to examine Clemson a little bit more closely. I haven't watched as many of their games in terms of are they better than Alabama or not, you know, uh, or or how do they match up against Michigan State specifically? I think that's more of what you're saying, right? Yeah. Well, well, it's it, it's it's yeah, it's one of those things where I I, I think Clemson. If I look at Alabama, Oklahoma, and Iowa, Iowa uh, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Michigan State, I look at three teams that pride themselves and have a history of being very physical football teams, and just and, and just very uh, well coached physical football teams. Clemson is just athlete haven, man. They got athletes everywhere, okay, and they fly and they are they they are just explosive, but. I question whether they have that mental and physical uh, toughness that those other three have. And so uh, my, my thought would be, if I'm Michigan State, I want to be the guy that, man, that was an interesting burp. I want to <laughs> uh, be the team that gets to play Clemson and see if I can match up. Now, don't get me wrong. That would be a very tough matchup for Michigan State. They don't typically do well with good athletic quarterbacks. That's why we beat them, because Tommy was able to uh, make them pay, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that that quarter's defense that they play is susceptible to an athletic quarterback. And trust me, Clemson has that. Alabama doesn't. Alabama has a traditional quarterback. Um, so, frankly, if you look at it from that standpoint, maybe Michigan State does want to play against Alabama. I just think the physical dominance of Alabama's offensive line and, that, and their running back uh, would be uh, something that I wouldn't want to 
face if I'm Michigan State. I think I would rather take my chances with the athlete, uh, athletic Clemson team and and see if I could contain those athletes with my scheme and, and go that route. All right. And uh, what is your number five and six then? Oh, then five and six. Uh, I'm going to say Iowa's going to tumble, obviously. Uh, and so then uh, uh, I, I agree with you that if Stanford beats USC – and as conference champions, Stanford jumps Ohio State and ends up at number five. And then Ohio State stays at number six. Notre Dame then would be seven, you know, and, and there you go from there. Florida State, um, right. you know, T- TCU, Baylor, everybody kind of just takes position after that. But I think if Iowa loses, they tumble probably five or six or seven spots. And I would say that uh, – um, North Carolina, if they lose, will also tumble quite a ways, too. Yep, I would agree with that. Okay, so now we're really going to wrap it up uh, this time. Okay. We always joke that we always uh, we don't want it to go too long. You know, We always say before the podcast, and yet somehow <laughs> we end up uh, making them 40-minute, you know, 50-minute podcasts. Dang it. <laughs> yep. But, hey. Well, it's just, it's hard. Yeah, and there was, there was a good, good stuff to discuss. I mean, we're right on the verge of the championship games. You know, this is an exciting Absolutely. time. It, it should be a great weekend. It really should be a great weekend. Some good, good games. Uh, you know, matchup wise, maybe there's a few like you said that. I mean, we we certainly projected a lot of fairly lopsided victories, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we didn't we didn't predict very many close games. Yeah. No, I mean, I be, I do believe that you know. This weekend could end up turn out, you know, we have all this speculation about who could move where. It could be very boring where, you know, MSU wins, so they're in, and then all the other teams who are favored to win win, and that's our top four. It's kind of, yep. although. And, and then, frankly, that's how I expect it to happen. True. Although, and I keep saying this, but I mean, in terms of the committee and the rankings, you know, Michigan State beating Iowa is an upset, you know, so that, I mean, that would be a big change. Yeah, but I, again, I think uh, again, I think Iowa is placed there because they're recognizing and giving credit for the fact that they're undefeated. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, that's the only reason. Uh, I think if you asked all twelve members of that committee who they thought was going to win the Michigan State Ohio State or uh, Michigan State Iowa game, every one of them would tell you Michigan State. Mm-hmm. All righty then. Well, we will see this weekend the you know, deciding battle for the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. That's right. Absolutely. All right. All righty. Good stuff, buddy. Uh, um, good, to, good to hear your voice and looking forward to uh, talking college football with you again very shortly. That's right. All right. You guys can find us on uh, footballthrowdown.podomatic.com. You can also find us on iTunes. Leave us ratings and reviews there or comment on the Podomatic page. You can email us at huskerpeat13 at gmail.com. We're always waiting to hear from you guys. And uh, thank you out there for listening. Until next time, go Big Red. Go Big Red. Go Big Red.